Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you in part by Book of Zen, makers of inspirational fashion and gift ideas. Please visit them online at bookofzen.com. Today's podcast has been edited and adapted from the book Friendship by Hugh Black, published in 1898. Friendship at its very best and purest has limits. At its beginning, it seems to have no conditions and to be capable of endless development. In the first flush of a newborn friendship, it seems almost an insult to question its absolute power to meet every demand made upon it. The exquisite joy of understanding and being understood is too keen to let us believe that there may be a terminal line beyond which we may not pass. Friendship comes as a mystery, formless, undefined, without set bounds, and it is often a sore experience to discover that it is circumscribed and limited like everything human. Yet the discovery is not all a loss. The limitless is also the vague, and it is well to know the exact terms implied in a relationship. We learn through experience the restrictions on all intimacy, and if we are wise, we learn to keep well within the margin. But many a disappointment might have been saved if we had understood the inherent limitations of the relationship. These are the result of personality. Each friend is, after all, a distinct individual, with will and conscience and a life apart, with a personal responsibility which none can take from them and with an individual bias of mind and heart which can never be left out of account. As is to be expected, some of the limits of friendship are not essential to the relationship, but are due to a defect in the relationship, perhaps a idiosyncrasy of character, or a peculiarity of temper. Some of the limits are self-imposed and arise from mistake of folly. A friend may be too exacting, and may make excessive demands which strain the bond to the breaking point. There is often a good deal of selfishness in the affection, which asks for absorption and is jealous of other interests. Jealousy is usually the fruit, not of love, but of self-love. Life is bigger than any relationship and covers more ground. The circles of life may intersect and part of each be common to the other but there will be an area on both sides exclusive to each. And even if it were possible for the circles to be co-centric, it could hardly be that the circumference of the two could be the same. One would be, almost without a doubt, of larger radius than the other. It is not identity which is the aim and the glory of friendship, but unity in the midst of difference. To strive for identity is to be certain of failure, and it deserves failure, for it is the outcome of selfishness. Your friend is not your property, to be claimed as your exclusive possession. Jealousy is an ignoble vice, because it has its roots in egotism. It also destroys affection, since it is an evidence of want of trust, and trust is essential to friendship. There are physical limits to friendship, if nothing else. 
there are material barriers to be surmounted before human beings really get into touch with each other, even in the slightest degree. The bodily organs, though which alone we can enter into communication, carry with them their own disabilities. The senses are, at best, limited in their range and are ever exposed to error. If there are physical limits to friendship, there are also greater mental limits. The needs of living press on us and drive us into different currents of action. Our varied experience colors all our thought and gives a special bias to our mind. There is a personal equation which must always be taken into account. This is the charm of communicating with others, but it is also a limitation. We do not travel over the same ground. We meet, but we also part. However great the sympathy, it is not possible completely to enter into another person's mind and look at a subject with their eyes. Much of our impatience with each other and most of our misunderstandings are caused by this natural limitation. The lines along which our minds travel can at best be asymptotic, approaching each other indefinitely near, but never quite coinciding. The greatest limit of friendship, of which these other are but indications, is the spiritual fact of the separate personality of each human being. This is seen most absolutely in the sphere of morals. The ultimate standard for an individual is their own individual conscience, and neither the constraint of affection nor the authority of numbers can atone for falseness there. Individual responsibility is of paramount importance. However, the influence of a friend or near relative is bound to be great. We are affected on every side and at every moment by the environment of other lives. There is a spiritual affinity which is the closest and most powerful thing in the world, and yet, in the realm of morals, it has definite limits set to it. At best, it can only go a certain length, and ought not to be allowed to go further than its legitimate bounds. The most intimate of relatives, the most trusted of friends, must not be permitted to abrogate the place of conscience. Affection may be perverted into an instrument of evil. There is a higher moral law than even the law of friendship. The demands of friendship must not be allowed to interfere with the dictates of duty. It is not that the moral law should be blindly obeyed, but because in obeying it, we are choosing the better part for both. Friendship is sometimes too exacting. It asks for too much, more than we have to give, more than we ever ought to give. There is a tyranny of love, making demands which only can be granted to the loss of both. Such tyranny is a perversion of the nature of love, which is to serve, not to rule. There is a love which is evil in its selfishness. Its very exclusive claim is a sign of its evil root. The rights of the individual must not be renounced, even for love's sake. Human love can ask too much, and it asks too much when it would break down the individual will and conscience. We cannot renounce our rights as living souls without losing our souls. No person can pay the debt of life for us. No individual can take the burden of life from us. 
to no person can we hand over the reins unreservedly. It would be cowardice, and cowardice is sin. The first axiom of the spiritual life is the sacredness of our individuality. We must respect each other's personality. Even when we have rights over other people, these rights are strictly limited and carry with them a corresponding duty to respect their rights also. The one intolerable despotism in the world is the attempt to put a yoke on the souls of others. And there are some forms of intimacy which approach that despotism. To transgress the moral bounds set to friendship is to make the highest forms of friendship impossible, for these are only reached when free individuals meet in the unity of the spirit. The community of all human life, of which we are learning much today, is a great fact. We are all bound up in the same bundle. In a very true sense, we stand or fall together. We are ever on our trial as a society, not only materially, but even in the highest things, morally and spiritually. There is a social conscience which we affect and which constantly affects us. We cannot rise very much above it, and to fall much below it is, for all true purposes, to cease to live. We have recognized social standards which test our morality. We have common ties, common duties, common responsibilities. But with it all, in spite of the fact of the community of human life, there is the other fact of the singleness of human life. We have a life which we must live alone. We can never get past the ultimate fact of the personal responsibility of each individual. We may be leaves from the same tree of life, but no two leaves are alike. We may be wrapped up in the same bundle, but one bundle can contain very different things. Each of us is colored with his or her own shade, separate and peculiar. We have our own special powers of intellect, our own special experience, our own moral conscience, our own moral life to live. So while it is true that we stand or fall together, it is also true, and it is a deeper truth, that we stand or fall alone. In this crowded world with its arguing and jostling, with its network of relationships, with its mingled web of life, we are each alone. Below the surface there is a deep, and below the deep there is a deeper depth. And in the depth of the human heart, there is and there must be solitude. There is a limit to the possible communion with others. We never completely open up our nature to even our nearest and dearest loved ones. In spite of ourselves, something is kept back. Not that we are untrue in this and hide our inner self, but simply that we are unable to reveal ourselves entirely. There is a bitterness of the heart which only the heart knows. There is a joy of the heart with which no stranger can intermeddle. There is an area beyond which even a friend who is as our own soul becomes a stranger. There is a holiest of holies over the threshold of which no human feet can pass. It is safe from trespass, guarded from intrusion, and even we cannot give to another the magic key to open the door. In spite of all the complexity of our social life, 
and the endless connections we form with others. There is a great and almost weird solitude. We may fill up our hearts with human fellowship in all its grades, yet there remains to each a distinct and separated life. We speak vaguely of the mass of humankind, but the mass consists of units, each with his or her own life, a thing apart. The community of human life is being emphasized today, and it is a lesson which bears and needs repetition, the lesson of our common ties and common duties. But at the same time, we dare not lose sight of the fact of the singleness of human life, if for no other reason than that otherwise we have no moral appeal to make on behalf of those ties and duties. Friendship is a very real and close thing. It is one of the greatest joys in life and has noble fruits. We can do much for each other. There are burdens we can share. We can rejoice with those who do rejoice and weep with those who weep. Through sympathy and love we are able to get out of self. And yet even here there are limits. It is a lesson of life that even if there is no limit to human love, there is a limit to human power. Human friendship must have limits, just because it is human. It is subject to loss. It lacks permanence. Misunderstandings can estrange us. Slander can embitter us. Death can bereave us. In the deepest things of the spirit, these limits are perhaps felt most of all. With even a friend who is as one's own soul, we cannot seek to make a spiritual impression without realizing the constraint of their separate individuality. We are forced to respect their personality. We may watch and pray and speak, but we cannot save. There is almost a sort of spiritual indecency in unveiling the naked soul, in attempting to invade the personality of another life. There is sometimes a spiritual vivisection which some attempt in the name of religion which is immoral. The lesson of all true living in every sphere is to learn our own limitations. It is the first lesson in art to work within the essential limitations of the particular art form. But in dealing with other lives, it is perhaps the hardest of all lessons to learn and submit to our limitations. Human friendship has limits because of the real greatness of every living soul. We are too big to be quite comprehended by another. There is always something in us left unexplained and unexplored. We do not even know ourselves. Much less can another hope to probe into the recesses of our being. Friendship has a limit because of the infinite element in the soul. It is painful to kick against the thorns, but they are meant to drive us toward the true end of living. It is hard to face limits along any line of life, but they are designed to send us to a deeper and richer development of our lives. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. For free transcripts of our podcast, please go to livinghour.org. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider becoming a patron. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. 
which will ensure that we can continue our podcast for years to come. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Simply do a quick search for the Inspirational Living Podcast at patreon.com to find our Patreon page and learn more, including the free gifts we offer to every patron. Subscribe to our free podcast today at the iTunes Store, or at Google Play, or at Stitcher.com. Thank you for listening. We look forward to being with you next time.